But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron and uh, today I'm joined by Tom Kennett, just a two-man mission this week. Alex is away on his travels. Troy uh, is not able to join us this uh, Monday evening, so uh, we'll crack on with the show. Um, you've rushed here from work doing your bit, TK. We've uh, up in the upstairs studio with uh, some fights on the TV. We've got Golovkin against Macklin to start us off. So in about 10 minutes' time, there'll be a shudder <laughs> as we see that horrible body shot break Macklin's ribs. See, I prefer doing these in my room, but the only thing is it, it does make it a bit harder with my notes because my eyes don't really focus too well. <laughs> and with when I hold it up to the light, I can kind of see the writing through the page, so it's spinning me out even more. Your eyes are worse than I thought. Yeah, they are. Like, I, I've, I've not got new glasses since I was 18. For clarity, I'm 24 now. <laughs> so I keep meaning to go, but... I remember how expensive glasses are. And the thing is, like, I, I obviously can afford them. I, I do work, <laughs> for, for, just for clarity. Um, but it's more the thought of forking it out, because previously, like, I got this last pair just before I turned 18, so I had the under-18 discount and the discount of being an education still. And my eyes are that bad that I have to have the, the lenses thinned, I have to have the scratch-resistant... I do know someone who refuses to go to the dentist since he had to start paying for it. So he had one appointment where he had to pay for it and he was like, I'm not doing that again. I do for the most part. And then I'm almost like, if I go, I want you to tell me something's wrong. So I Get feel like well. I haven't wasted it. Yeah. Yeah, I paid 80 quid for a filling once. So I was thinking, like, do you want to just do like my whole upper set or something? Just yeah, so it all done. Um, 83 fucking quid. So yeah, Kieran not been on here before. But when we went uh, to London the other week, he was like, oh, I'm skint. Uh, I had to blow out 250 quid yesterday. Anything nice? He's like, a trip to the dentist. 250 <laughs> fucking quid? Geez. He was like, they, they've insisted I've got to get this like brace just to kind of straighten things out yeah. and all stuff like this. That's his acting career. He wants yeah. needs to have good teeth, doesn't I he? was saying, if you want braces, you tell him, you get that done before I turn 18. I'm not paying for, I'm not paying to have braces afterwards. He needs to have a word of his drama. Like I said, look at Steve Buscemi's face. <laughs> his teeth are awful. I'll be fine. It could actually be maybe like it's a, it's a good selling point. Like that guy from, from the Pogues, his teeth are awful. <laughs> that was a thing for him. And the guy from the Goonies, like he's got a niche market there. Not many other people can get into. Oh, hey, you go. Yeah, we'll get taken down for copyright for that. <laughs> All right, so we've got a couple of things that happened on this day, but not many. We've only got one actual uh, strange piece of news. One thing is, happened, and it is quite dark. So no, we got a couple of things that have happened. Uh, one but bit of news. Only one bit of strange news. Um, which, yeah, reading it actually made me feel a bit sick. Bearing in mind the previous stuff that we've had, this must be particularly bad. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, on this day in 1945, the microwave oven was patented. Okay. So uh, 
I mean, the microwave brought us both a lot of joy during sick form and nice uh, pasty for your lunch break. Actually, you didn't heat yours up. Uh, I, was a, I was a savage. Yeah, nice, nice Russell's burger. Sometimes you get those, um, you know, those little micro- microwave uh, Uncle Ben's like pasta or rice pots. Mm. They're mm. very good, actually. The sort of microwave game has stepped up. And only yesterday I had a nice little mac and cheese with some southern fried chicken. Sorted me out on a Sunday. Uncle Ben's a good man. He is. A smiley. I know why he was always smiling in those pictures. <laughs> he wasn't in Spider-Man. <laughs> um, this one I've actually written down purely because I, d- I don't know why it was considered a highlight in history. But on this day in 1964, Ringo Starr passed his driving test. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so I don't know why. I don't know if he's like done done what I've done and he just failed that many times before that he's like, you know what? This is a big thing. It's like here. a world famous thing. Um, actually, then in 1971, John Lennon releases his mega hit Imagine. Did he pass his driving test? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that's it's what not, he's imagining. It's not- <laughs> It's not important until I know when he passed his driving test. Or maybe, if he did, I don't know if he did. Well, maybe Ringo Starr passing his driving test was what inspired John Lennon to be able to imagine all these wonderful things. He's like, well, if he can do that, anything in the world is possible. So when he said imagine all the people, he was saying that at, like, <laughs> at the bay when you come back, clapping you in. Exactly. Um, oh, we're going backwards. So in 1970... Uh, Matt Damon, the American actor, was uh, born. Famous for uh, Goodwill Hunting, the Oceans trilogy, the Bourne trilogy, which isn't a trilogy anymore. <laughs> uh, born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's a good day. A good man. Yeah, I feel like when I go through my favourite actors, I sleep on Matt Damon while not really having a bad film as such to uh, to slate him for. Yeah, arguably doesn't get spoken about enough, does he? Not, not as Bradley Cooper, but that's something for another day. On this day in 1985, Bruno Mars was born, who I maintain, legacy-wise, should go down further than Michael Jackson. (laughs) Fuck's sake. His music's better. He has more than one dance move. I've said this before. One trick pony, Michael Jackson, gets, gets by on people saying what a dancer he is when he literally had one signature move. Good signature move, but not anything special. Well, yeah, the little Shimon as well, as well as the... Uh... That's not a move. When you've got to have to say something, then yeah, it kind I know, of detracts but, yeah, from the move. hands on the crotch and thrust, doesn't it? Which, yeah, you when can't you consider what happened later in, his, <laughs> later in his life, maybe it wasn't such a great move after all, but... Didn't age well either as a move. You can't really get away with doing that now. Yeah, but that's that's the world we live in now, isn't it? Yep. You can't go thrusting your hips anymore anymore. He was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. His real name is Peter Jean Hernandez, and that's ruined it for me. I can see why you went with Bruno Mars. Well, I thought his actual name was Bruno Mars. I thought he'd just been blessed with a great name. <laughs> I think a lot of these guys... Like Austin Powers. The more you look into it, the more you realise, yeah, they've just got bang average names and they've made one up. I remember it was just when everyone was saying like, what a model bloke he is. He was caught trying to smuggle cocaine through an airport. That's more like it. <laughs> We're nearing the point where Macklin's going to go down here. And um, the strange news story of the day that I saw a celebrity feud, and it was only when I looked closer that it was um, Kate Middleton and Kira Knightley. What? Kira Knightley is accusing uh, a princess or queen. Well, no, not the queen. She's not the Duchess. queen yet. Duchess. Yeah, Duchess. Of Cambridge? Yeah. That sounds about right. 
I feel bad saying Queen now. I was just kind of running through the royal titles. You've just given up. Um, so yeah, Kira Knightley has gone in there saying that uh, she's done a disservice to women in her portrayal of childbirth in that she shouldn't be coming out of the hospital dressed up with makeup on <laughs> and high heels. And the th- where I said it made me sick is she went into incredible detail where she's talking about uh, the remnants of shits, as she said, coming out, the blood, the pus, she's saying her nipples were leaking and all sorts, which I really didn't need to read when I thought I was reading like a funny article of <laughs> an, ar- an argument between these two. So what, she was supposed to come out of the hospital like shit-stained pants? She said... The umbilical cord still hanging out. Bit placenta on her shoes. She's done enough by going to like a public hospital. Yeah. And yeah, she's literally saying it's, it's discretion. She's written a whole essay on it. This isn't like a, like a little thing. She's written an essay comparing her own traumatic experience with what she says Kate obviously didn't go through. She needs to grow up. She does, but I have said before, uh, Kira Knightley's oh, the special place in my life has been uh, the subject of my first tug. <laughs> so that's congrats, a great highlight for congrats her. to her for that. Pirates in all fairness, it must have been incredibly difficult for Kira Knightley to give birth. The child yeah. probably weighed nearly as much as she did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a narrow cave to be getting out of. Do you think in the future there literally are just gonna <laughs> there's gonna be just some different way? Like, we just have these magic stitches. You have a little slice down, take them out, zip it back up, and we're sorted. <laughs> Much like a caesarean, but uh, a bit cleaner work. I'll be honest, now that they've got this thing with, like, sperm donors and stuff, I think it's only the next step till they get egg donors as well, and then <laughs> you just... We're all pretty much redundant after that. Yeah, she did describe in detail that her vagina split, <laughs> as she said in the article. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit much for a Monday afternoon. Um, anyway, on to there, if we go... Uh, I've heard people say that before, though. And yeah. I heard if you gooch splits, then all your organs fall out. When they say that a little gap when you give birth turns to, like, wet paper mache, that's what that's where I was done. You've got to be like the guy Mate, in uh, Knocked shook. Up and be I'm like, shook. don't go in there. <laughs> or super hands in Peep Show, just trip. <laughs> just, just trip. There's, there's just no gap between the vagina and the anus whilst giving, but that is just an awful, awful thing to happen. Sewn up. But probably easier okay. to get it out there, though. Oh. Okay, so if we get on to the UFC and we'll start at the. Uh, I was going to say the tail end being the bottom, but I feel like the tail end is the end, so we'll start lower down the card. Let's be hipster and say this was the, the highlight of the evening, wasn't Nothing uh, else happened. Aspen Lad. Um, so essentially, if we just uh, say what happened in the fight and who we think they should fight next, we don't need a, a great thing. So, um, Aspen Lad defeated Tonya Evinger. Obviously, a very impressive performance. I bet Tonya Evinger. So that really kickstarted the way the <laughs> night was going to go for me because it didn't go up from there. Um, matchups wise, I mean, she's six and zero. She's still, I think, she's like twenty three or something like that. So I'd match it with someone like Marion Renault, who's just lost a decision to Katzingano. And uh, just so there's something a bit a bit different there, you can kind of give her a bit of a feeler to see where they are. I've just seen Macklin there. Just <laughs> say slip and just the, don't, the ultimate don't buying time. Me. Don't hit me. A few scenarios, isn't it? Um, 
Okay, so then uh, the next kind of highlight was uh, Vicente Luque, who uh, pulverized Jalen Turner. Jesus. Um, Jalen Turner, who's six foot three and somehow was stepping up in weight, so I don't know how on earth wow. he gets down there, but I think Luque's more than proven his ability now. Mm. Like, he, he, he deserves a top 15 matchup. I mean, he sparked out Bilal Muhammad, who's considered to be on the verge of there, so, and so he's more than ready. He looks the goods, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I thought a matchup with um, Alessio Zaleski de Santos, who we saw on the card, uh, the pay-per-view card the week before. If you remember, uh, he was, well, I can't think how to describe him. He just came out swinging there. He landed kind of like three punches where the bloke was knocked out, but he was still upright. Yeah, I think yeah. I know which one you mean. Um, but he's also on uh, on trial for rape, so pending the result of that. Maybe we can get him in there. I've only remembered that. Uh, Gunnar Nelson. Were you going to say on trial for a football team or something? <laughs> I guess there's not that much difference, but uh, Gunnar Nelson uh, hasn't fought in a, in about a decade, so that could be <laughs> that could be a good matchup there. It's a favourable one for him in that it's not someone uh, ranked that he should be able to beat. And for Luke, it's a it's a step in there. Mm. Um, or Leon Edwards to give it a bit of a uh, British influence. Uh, He's just he's just coming fresh off the back of beating Cowboy Cerrone, but he wasn't incredibly impressive in doing so. Like as in, he didn't stop him like Till did, which may be a tough ask, but kind of set a bit of a bar there. Quite a good fight at the stage of both their careers, in fairness, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, on from there, then probably the worst fight of the evening: um, Juicy Formiga against Sergio Pettis. Fuck's sake. Um, I mean, it the Akabuster. Yeah, it kind of said the tale of the fight where. Uh, Formiga sat on his back for the last five minutes. That was horrendous, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, from there, this division, I mean, I've kind of championed it previously, but it really is awful. <laughs> like, we, if uh, Cejudo isn't going to face Dillashaw next, then he really just needs to rematch Mighty Mouse, because there's, there's nothing else there. I said, it's not, you, imagine Cejudo, Formiga for the title. For yeah, sake. so for me, I thought Fabiga could face uh, Benavidez. It's just an interesting fight there. Mm. Um, and for uh, Sergio Pettis, I thought about with Tim Elliott would be good. Um, yeah. It's Diamantes there next to Buffer. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you could have him against uh, Tim Elliott. That'd be a fun matchup. It's one where Tim Elliott, although he would prefer it to be on the ground, he's not someone who's like an elite wrestler or anything. So. It it would be definitely a, a more fun matchup, I think. You might have some cool scrambles. Yeah. Um, from there, then we had Michelle Watson, who delete who defeated, not deleted, Felice mm-hmm. Herrig. It's another division that's kind of up in the air a bit. I mean, it's, it's definitely a lot more talented. But as for where they go next, I thought she's impressed. Yeah, I was in, I, in a fight that was built obviously pretty much a fifty-fifty going yeah. in. Yeah, I thought she looked. She the business, didn't well, she? I thought for her she could go against Carla Esparza next, who mm. has looked good. She had a close fight against Claudia Gadelia and then was mauled by Tatiana Suarez. But but that's Tatiana no that's Suarez, no disgrace. So yeah. that could be a good fight to make next. And for um, Felice Herrig, I, I really don't know because she seems to rebuild. She wins two on the bounce and then she loses. So mm. someone like Angela Hill, who she should beat, and just to give her a win to get back in the mix. I think it would be a tough one for Herrig as well. Though. Going into it, I didn't think. I don't think she thought that could happen in no. terms of how Waterson dominated her at times. Well, yeah, because 
she was trying to dominate her just with her size, and then that didn't even work. Like, she, she couldn't like physically like just out muscle her, could she? No, which I think she was very surprised by. Um, from there, then, so then we had Derek Lewis, who's probably the probably the highlight of the night. <laughs> he had his thunder stolen a bit. I feel yeah. for him. He um he's po- <laughs> he posted a, a video earlier where he's edited the whole end of the fight into a Street Fighter sequence. <laughs> Fuck's sake! So, but. If you're only using ours, we've got uh, Timothy Bradley and uh, Ruslan Provodnikov up next on our uh, little playlist. What a savage fight this was. Yeah, this was what I was on about. Um, so for there, I thought Derek Lewis should face uh, Stipe Miocic next. Yeah. He's now ranked number two. It's crazy, isn't it? And he may even go up after that, so so he could go to be the number one contender. <laughs> um, and it's a winnable fight for Stipe. He won't look at that as being any kind of trouble. Stipe is unlikely to wrestle him. He's probably think his striking is technical enough. Mm-hmm. And every guy that faces Lewis kind of gets him on the brink of getting him out and isn't able to. And it could be a, a fight where Stipe is able to kind of show what a savage he is and remind everyone what, what they're missing. I think he would in a big way as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. For, for both, it kind of sells that reason, doesn't it? He can kind of... Stipe can look impressive and call out whoever's champ at the time, yeah. depending on how the landscape plays out. and. Lewis can obviously get a decent payday. Yeah, definitely. Um, Probably put his back out first round again. And for Volkov, I... uh, Who did I put him down with? Oh, I fought um, Alistair Overeem. Yeah. So Overeem has pretty much already faced everyone else in the division. (laughs) So so it makes sense there. And uh, for Volkov, everyone else is either matched up or it doesn't make sense. And you're not going to get a title shot, so... A win against Overeem seems to be the thing that kind of proves that you are that slight level above, and it, you can put yourself then in a position to bounce back. And in a division like this, it doesn't take a whole lot to bounce back. One win, and you're kind of right back in the mix. I know you tweeted about it, but how dumb a fighter is Volkov? Yeah. There's not not to be disrespectful, but we, there's it, not a lot lot of time left. You know what Lewis is is going to do. He doesn't really have anything else he can do. Particularly what, at that point in the fight. What a size difference. He All he had to do was just keep kicking yeah. his feet out into uh, his chest because he wasn't he, he wasn't really uh, threatening a takedown. There was really nothing he was doing no. to answer back other than when he stood right in his face. Yeah. He was closing the range for Lewis. Yeah, for a guy that was being talked up as they're saying in terms of talent, he could be the best in the division. You don't know. He was a previous uh, Bellator champion as well. I just... Yeah, I thought he was disappointed. It kind of got lost in... Well, obviously the rest of the card, but also in the the Lewis storyline, yeah, and obviously the the values of him as a character kind of got lost. That someone who's being billed as kind of maybe a next big thing just well in in the post fight press conference they said to uh, Dana White, "What did you think about uh, Derek Lewis taking his uh, pants off in the octagon and saying his balls were hot?" And he was like, "I wish that was the biggest thing we had to talk about after, <laughs> after tonight." <laughs> Um, so from there, then we had uh, Dominic Reyes who defeated Ovin St. Prue in what should have been a knockout, but went down as a decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the rule is strange, isn't it? In that, if you can get up despite the bell being over, and you're not up when the bell rings, if you can get up at any time, then they class it as okay. You're you're fine to go to points. Well, I think is it. Is there not like a 10 second thing or something like that? No, it's it not a certain time. Or is it essentially just... just if you can get up and the ref thinks you, you can get to your feet and to your corner without needing any help, then okay. you're sound. 
because everyone's saying it had to be a knockout. Like for me, I didn't necessarily see the issue in terms of he wasn't like out cold. In like he could have got up and. I think it was more that the ref kind of stood over him. Like, yeah, you're not altogether there. Whereas the thing should be like, the second you can't defend yourself. Yeah, yeah. And he definitely wasn't able to defend himself there. But I think don't think Reyes to be too upset. He looked impressive as well. Yeah, he I did. Thought it was another but, sort of so, coming out party. If so you like. this is kind of my thing. So in terms of matching him up, I know Jan Blahovic is, I think, ranked second now, which really? is pretty outrageous. Yeah, and there's no way they're giving him a title fight. One, he's he's not very entertaining. Two, not they're going to give it to John Jones or Gustafsson. Yeah. So I thought it makes sense to put him in with someone like Blahovic that. Mm. Definitely. He's an older dog on his way out. It gives him a name there to try and do, and it pushes him up the rankings just so you keep him in the face of the public. And with this ESPN deal, they need more stars. And he said on the Monday before the fight that he, he feels he is a star and he just needs to be promoted properly. He's got every reason to, hasn't he? He's got, in terms of good to watch, looks the part. Yeah, the in, I mean, in that division, the issue is there isn't really... like. Everyone's good, but there's there's only a couple of great fighters. So you've got Gustafson, Jones, Cormier, and then everyone else. So you've got Anthony Smith, yeah. Volkan Özdemir. So it remains to be seen with them, but he could be a name if if he if he's pushed right. Yeah, and the thing is, he's not going to get a fight anytime soon with Jones, is he? So no, definitely not. Assuming Jones and DC don't fight a light heavy, then if they clear out the division, then you are left with as good as Gustafson is. Not a huge sort of crossover sort of appeal either. Well, it looks like they're going to strip DC and make Jones against Gustafsson for the New Year's card for the title. Okay. What's DC doing at this time? Is he going to get Brock? Essentially... I'd quite like to see see Brock get pummeled and see DC get paid. Yeah, essentially they're going to book the uh, Brock fight, but DC's hand at the moment, he's had so many injuries to his hand that usually it fixes up okay, but at the moment he still can't. Uh, clench a fist. Oh wow! So um, so yeah, they're 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 trying to work on from there. But in the meantime, you're going to have Stipe just like waiting for a title shot. Yeah, fuming whilst all this is going on, probably. Um, then we had the co-main. Um, so I know what we all want to get onto. Well, <laughs> I say all me and you. Um, Tony Ferguson defeated Anthony Pettis. Bit of a quit here from Pettis. I don't want to be too harsh because I mean it was definitely a dog fight up until then, but. It seems harsh to say, doesn't it? When you say like quit, when he's yeah. had one of the most savage rounds imaginable, but I feel like a broken hand is like that. I mean, it's not me in there, but you're also in there. That it's something that can happen when you're punching someone in tiny little gloves like that. It's one of those, isn't it? Where if you're in the corner, you should be probably putting them out in terms of well, Ferguson to... probably will savage you, but as the fighter, you should probably fight. Than doing that towards the end of the second, he looked like he was done, didn't he? He kind of, uh, I think he shot his shot, didn't he? And then they said to the corner, said to him, like, "Are you okay?" And he just didn't answer. He, was he like, just oh, kept when they repeated, he kept asking him, "You knew, didn't you?" We yeah. said, "Didn't we?" He's about to pull out here. Well, Ferguson said in the post-fight press conference, he was like, "We've seen him quit before, and it was our job to get the quit out of him." And he was like, "All respect to him, but that was our job." He was like, "If we made it rough, then we didn't think he'd want to stay in there." He's a savage. Because he was weird for him seeing that side of him after he won. When he was lifting his hand up, he looked like so overwhelmed, didn't he? Crying his eyes out. I was saying to Troy, he's so much more likable and actually so much more intimidating when he's just being his actual self. Yeah. 
And he was kind of saying after, he was like, I don't want to have to call people McNuggets in Tiramisu. He was like, it was actually entertaining me just seeing all of you go crazy for it when you wouldn't with anything else I do. <laughs> he was like, so I, I don't really want to do that. He was like, I'm the real champ, whether they give me a belt or not. It'd be such a fun fight with Evil, in fairness. Yeah. I actually think he's both a horrible matchup for McGregor and also a great matchup in the fact that he does he does get hit. He shouldn't McGregor shouldn't have to go looking for him, should he? No. But then that's also the thing in that if he doesn't get him out in about a round, then his pressure is gonna absolutely murder him. That pressure having come off knee surgery and taken several kicks to the knee. And he just applied that pressure to Pettis. It was unbelievable. Well, he said he doesn't spar. He said this in the press conference after. He's like, he said he has no sparring at all because he said, at this st- stage of my career, I shouldn't need that. He said he does enough drills to know that he's ready for a fight. It's interesting. And he was saying that he owns the mats when, because I think he set up his own gym that Eddie Bravo comes out to. Yeah. And he was like, the amount of times I had to say in this camp, he was like, I had to ask someone if they're injured and if they were, I'd say, get the fuck off my mat. What he was like? I'm, tra- I'm training to be a killer here. I can't have this. He was like, get someone else up. She, but he he is like he's a character. Not everyone is going to love him, but at the same time, everyone's going to love to see him. And it's not even like a love hate thing. Like you're not rooting either massively for or massively against him. I think he he can be hard to warm to, but at the same time, he's just a freak that you're going to want to get in there and see fight. Yeah. He- kind of reminded us didn't he on like because he's been out a while but he's one of the most watchable fighters in the UFC isn't he just the way he was talking after he's like did you see that he's like I had the blood in my eyes it's like after he's like I absolutely loved it <laughs> he was like you uh, can tell he does love fighting as well he was like he kicked me he said he kicked me straight in the knee and I looked at him I smiled and I was like okay <laughs> alright we're doing this that is one scary man yeah. and he said like during the fight he didn't feel pain he was like I'm sure it will tomorrow but he said he does all, all his own research. He's, he's um, doing a doctorate at the moment oh, because wow. he said he doesn't trust some of these people. He said something along the lines of like, how can you go to two different doctors and then tell you something different? And he was like, or you can go to the same doctor twice and they can tell you. I did it wrong the first yeah. time around. Here's what it is. He was like, so he's, he's doing a doctorate himself because he wants to educate himself and keep his mind strong as Shut well up. as his body and all this Interest, interesting guy yeah definitely as much as he's like probably the worst trash talker imaginable <laughs> it's a shit like you said when he's being himself he's got a lot more interest about yeah, him him and Eddie Bravo do seem just like the perfect matchup which could you imagine though if you were in a conversation with the two of them you'd just be like what has just happened <laughs> yeah definitely so in terms of Ferguson I think Khabib should be next for the fifth time, they're going to try and book it, whether it does get to go ahead. <laughs> Again, he's not getting it, is Well, he? they both made weight on this card. They should have just gone, you know what, Connor, you're going to have to wait. <laughs> We've been waiting too long for this. Neither of us have got injured or failed to make weight. Fuck it, we'll do it now. Um, or alternatively, um, Ferguson against Poirier also makes a lot of sense. If Poirier beats uh, Nate Diaz, as I'm fairly confident he will. Yeah. And that could be a very fun fight. Or alternatively... Gaethje would be would be oh another my one. Word. I saw someone say to strip Khabib of the title now and let Gaethje and Ferguson fight for us. I'd also oh. love to see him in there with Eddie Alvarez. There's literally anyone I would be happy to see him. Yeah. Him against Eddie would be a dog fight. Yeah, it's true. That'd be savage, wouldn't it? Um, and for Pettis next, I mean, I think 
the best he can hope for is Ally Quinta, who mm-hmm. has his cult following. Yeah, is looking for a fight. It's looking like uh, it's going to be Gaethje against Kevin Lee next. Oh. So that leaves him open there. Um, or I mean, Alex Hernandez, friend of the show, is looking for a way up if the UFC kind of wants to test his uh, break, see how far he's going. They've got that. So that's another one. James Vick is another guy in there, but I don't know who's going to be rushing to face a guy that size after he's just been cleaned out by Gaethje because it's really not doing much for you. No, sort of top of the Huni team club, isn't he? And certainly in that division. I love the f- the idea of Pets against uh, Barboza, but he's facing Dan Hooker next. Yeah. <laughs> okay, on to the main event then. So, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov defeated Conor McGregor via fourth round neck crank. Pretty one-sided beatdown. <laughs> it was a mauling, wasn't it? I watched it back again last night. Uh, it was easy to get kind of excitable when McGregor got it back on the feet, but even then, he wasn't the one in control. Like, he was the only one who got hurt yeah, in the like, striking. Which a fair play to his chin, because yeah. that that fight, that punch he got hit with, really should have like knocked knocked him out cold. Well, when Khabib followed him with that knee, if that knee does land clean, yeah. that's a highlight reel. I was uh, I was speaking to Troy yesterday, and I was saying that uh, the way he lands that shot when you watch it back is he does this tiny little shift like that, and McGregor puts his hands down to stop the takedown, and then he fires the right hand over the it top. Definitely, obviously worked on yeah. it on the camp, and he goes absolutely flying. Um, I think it was um, that Luke Thomas who does the new MMA hour. Yeah, called it a slip. Slip. Yeah. <laughs> okay. McGregor's been punched halfway across the octagon. <laughs> He's been shook, and then yeah, and he didn't get up. He didn't get up like uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of them. I mean, <clears throat> it's easy to just kind of praise um, Habib. McGregor actually did very well defensively with the grappling because, as much as he was staying down there. He survived a lot longer than most people would have, and it's particularly with that gas tank. Yeah, I mean, we were saying, weren't we? Even like the first round, even the second round to an extent, as much as he was pinned on the floor, he wasn't. He was keeping it, so he wasn't having to do too much work. It was. It wasn't having to expend too much energy on the. You normally. Yeah. If could be basically done like that, like you said, you normally get you out of there, mm. or they'll be absolutely knackered by the time they get up. Connor wasn't until kind of third round, so yeah. you, you looked at him. You thought, God, his there, gas tank is still horrible. I mean, that's going to drain anyone, but his is just particularly bad. I know he had two years off, but that should have been all he's been working on for two years. I did see one of the embedders where he's running again. Okay, that's a good sign. But I thought his cardio was maybe actually a little better than normal. But I don't think it's seemingly going to be a problem that always dogs him isn't it I think looking back you see him break between the third and fourth round and as they break um, it's been played back and when they come out of the clinch Khabib has impressed against the fence and uh, he says it's just business to Khabib yeah and Khabib like, stares at him he's like we'll see like that jeez and you shouldn't be kind of apologising mid fight you can wait till after the fight to do that Strange thing, Big John McCarthy's actually bottom left in the in the picture there. Um, but yeah, you shouldn't be saying that in the middle of the fight because then he just knows like you're done, like you he's, don't want this anymore. He's broken, isn't he? And I think there is something there. 
I think there is something there in the fact that uh, you you can get you can get the quit out of McGregor. Like he's not he's not a guy who I think he's always willing to go out on his shield. Like you can get it out of him. Well, and he, that's what Khabib said beforehand. We've seen him tap a couple of times now. I, I don't, don't think really there's any necessarily shame in tapping. I mean, this one it was a neck crank, so he didn't even bother fighting the hands. But I think it was just how knackered he was that it was the exhaustion, wasn't it? Yeah. But people were saying like essentially you've been taken out of a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> Something like people in the school would get because, like you said, it wasn't under well, the I, neck. You got it on the chin. I, I was listening to someone else and they were saying, in fairness, if someone who is top level is doing it which you'd imagine Khabib is, mm. it does feel like the bones in your face are cracking while they're doing it. I can it. imagine, yeah, that sheer strength. So it's, it's it's certainly not pleasant, but it's it's not going to put you to sleep. So it's either, it's kind of, do you want to fight through the pain or do you want to carry on? And I think he probably thought, I'm not getting out of this. <laughs> but the, the other element of it is, is, and he knows this as well. The price you pay for talking like you do is when you're in that situation, then you do have to do whatever. It's, you know, we well, can yeah, say I mean, oh, it's all very well saying for most people, that's going to feel like your face is breaking. Right? Most people aren't saying these things, getting paid X amount of money as a result. Yeah, uh, Bisping went out cold against GSP. He was the example I was going to use in terms of, like I said, I don't think there's any shame in happens. Like when you beat, you beat. But when you're tall like that, maybe you should just say, "Look, I'm just. Good. If he sleeps with me, he sleeps." It's kind of like the the Nate one. Like he he could have had like the lung capacity to last him for a year, and he was never going to break that hold at all. Exactly, he was going purple. Yeah, but, <laughs> and that was after seconds. But I like, think how quickly with that yeah, one, wasn't it? But, but this one, it was like that he you he could have got out of it. Like technically, he could have. Because we were saying, weren't we? It's like. Has he got him there? And then you think, oh no, the choke's not really in. Yeah. And then... Like, I, wouldn't call, I wouldn't call it a quit, but I would say that he he hasn't wanted to carry on, but I no, wouldn't I know call what it you a mean. quit. But you just called the Pettis one a quit. Well, the, the, the Pettis one was like, he there was nothing stopping him coming out for the third round, but this one was kind of like, he also had him on four rounds on his back. No, no. So I, I, I don't like know. said, it was the sheer exhaustion, wasn't? Yeah. That picture of him looking up yeah, at Khabib yeah. when it's all over. The thing from Khabib's point of view, and we'll come on to all that afterwards, yeah. I'm sure. But that should be the image you're left with. Yeah. And that would have been badass, wouldn't it? But instead, it was obviously talking about other things. Yeah, big time. I mean, I mean, in terms of how it ended, then so obviously what, what we know what happened in terms of what should have happened. I think the best thing Khabib could have done for me. It's refused to help him up because I, I for one, I assume other people are the same. Get annoyed when you have a whole build-up built on how much two people hate each other. The second it ends, it's all pally pally. And I know some people, it's you've earned their respect, whereas others, it seems like this was all just promotion, which is McGregor saying it's just business. It's clearly not just business when, with some of the things you were saying. And also with that, McGregor hasn't done anything to earn his respect in that fight, has he? Because Khabib's just ragdolled him and mauled him. If it was like a toe-to-toe war, there's, yeah. there's one thing there. But in terms of that, like you said, I would, I'd have done like a walk-off if I was him. Yeah, and he could have talked shit after, but he could have made himself. He he could have given a big like he's not on my level. I'm the king and all this, and people would have been like, oh shit, this guy is like. Yeah, 
And let's face it, you could have got on the mic and just laughed at him, and everyone would be like, "This guy's bad." Yeah. And you'd be looking, and all the McGregor stuff he said before would be getting posted, wouldn't it? They were yeah. just laughing at it, and you, you have all the cards at that point. Some of the stick he's got since, I mean, Khabib or McGregor. McGregor, like oh. I don't know. Oh, we kind of said once the fight's over, it's going to seem so obvious, like what was always going to happen. Hmm. And for him, I do think now they could they could fight ten times and maybe once McGregor catches him early and the other nine times he gets taken down because I thought it was quite clever early on when he was more explosive. Khabib was coming in from further away, but he almost went in so low on the mat that he couldn't possibly counter... Coming with an uppercut or something like that. And instead, he was just banking on grabbing a little finger and being able to get him down, which he was able to do. Yeah, he didn't really need anything, did he? As long as he could get a hold of something. Yeah. So obviously the fight's finished. Khabib has seen red. Ran, jumped over the cage, dived into the crowd um, for what we believe was Dylan uh, Dylan Dennis. Apparently he had been chatting shit to him throughout the yeah. fight, been shouting stuff at him. Which... He also had uh, before the fight and that as well. Yeah. So they had um, previous. Yeah. So that's that's happened the whole time, and <laughs> and then uh, from there. From what it seems now is, and I'll get on to how it's being perceived. So, two of Khabib's team get on top of the fence, and people are now saying, "Oh no, Connor hit him first. Whereas mm-hmm. he turns around, he's got two of he's seeing Khabib attack his teammates, and he's got two of Khabib's team jumping over the fence towards him. I would safely assume. They're probably coming to hit you like they have the like they've been said the entire build up. Well, the two that are going over were going towards Khabib though, as in he's so he's jumped up the fence and there, I think it's, is it Khabib's brother? There, yeah, he jumps up. He's on the side of the cage, isn't he? Yeah. And then at that point, that's when McGregor runs over and lamps him, and when he's not looking. Okay. Which right. is kind of the big thing, myself included, that people had against the people who got in the ring and hit Connor yeah. was that. Regardless of what's going on, a sucker punch is a bitch move. <laughs> yeah. But then when he's then done that, people are then saying, "Oh, well, hang on. Yeah. Can you complain about one when you've done one yourself?" It's... Well, he did. But then we've—you've always got the argument: should they have ever been in there in the first yeah. place? So then maybe he deserves to punch him. Like he didn't press charges, but I didn't think he would. He, he can't. He, can he, he can't really. He's yeah. actually in a position. He's one of the few people in a position where you actually can't. Yeah. You look super bitch. Definitely. Which. I mean, I, I people said, have kind of taken that as an admission of guilt, by the way, haven't they? Yeah, which they, is partly maybe years because you think maybe <laughs> we shouldn't go hunting too much. But well, I mean, the athletic commission have kept Khabib's purse, but not McGregor's. McGregor's been paid. He's been paid. Now. Yeah, on those straight out of five days, said they've both been held. And then about twenty no minutes, about, about twenty minutes later, he said like Connor's got his. Yeah, basically. there's no real reason to hold. He said after reviewing the tape, he's they said they said he he sound basically defended himself and yeah. did whatever. Um, Khabib's basically been an idiot. I mean, I I, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's this, I don't think it's this predetermined thing which people are making out. Like it, no. the whole fight, he's decided. I, I think he's a bit strong on them saying they're going to take his visa off him because like McGregor did the bus thing. I mean, McGregor's more valuable, I suppose, but shouldn't really be the point when it comes to visa issues. No, probably doesn't help that Khabib's Russian either. Like, yeah, that, that that's, that's the crux of it, isn't it? Is that he's essentially a Russian guy who's kicked Yeah, off. although I feel like if the UFC wants to get you a visa, then they're gonna get you they're gonna get you one. If you for you for one of your biggest stars. If you don't want criminal charges yeah. McGregor, what did he get? Like a hefty fine? Yeah. Not really too bad, is it? 
and the UFC kind of they don't take any responsibility. So that's another thing. So the whole press conference, people are saying, do you think this the onus for this is on you? You let the whole press conferences go. You promoted it with violence. I feel like the UFC couldn't really have promoted it any other way. Hmm. Yeah. But you also can't then complain too much you when do, it doesn't go your you way. You reap what you sow, don't you? You do. And using the using the bus footage and stuff as the start of it. And it's not like they didn't have warning that these two were going to kick off. They literally said, we're still going to hate each other after the fight. They all threatened to do each other in. Well, that's why well. there was so much police there. Dana was like, I don't even know if the city was safe. There was that much police here. <laughs> I saw him say that. Which, because at the time I was saying, wasn't there? Like, what's the security doing at this point? But yeah. then there is only so much security you can have. Also, we've said before, when you see the stewards, it's like, they must be looking like, why would I? Why am I going to get involved in that? Yeah. You see a bunch of mad Russians again running in. There. It's a lot of pissed up. I mean, or if you look into well. the details, so I can't pronounce the one's name. So the one that um, punches McGregor in the octagon is this um, the one who goes face on, or the one who comes yeah, in from he, behind uh, him? The and one punch he has the like he has a beard and he's got kind of like not wearing the red top. hair. No, no, the one wearing the red top's a bitch. Yeah. So the other one, um, he. I don't know how he got a visa. So he was arrested before for um, attacking a policeman in a gun raid. What the hell? Yeah. So he's been. How the hell these guys yeah, have visas? So he's been involved in all that before, and he's actually a UFC fighter as well. And he was scheduled to face Artem next. Who's the whole reason all this is happening? So it's fair to say he's he's been released from the UFC. I think whether they've made that official or not, Dana essentially said like, yeah, he's not going to be fighting for us again. <laughs> and he actually put something on. Imagine his... if he was really, really good though. Dana would have yeah. such a predicament. Well, he put something on his Instagram as well saying, I told you all I was going to slap McGregor and I did it. I saw. Yeah. So I think McGregor found out the hard way, didn't he? These Russians don't fuck about. Yeah. I mean, he's carried it on. He put on Insta just before you got here saying, uh, the, the war, uh, the battle is lost. The war isn't over. Well, I was, he said lost the match, but we've won the battle. The war continues. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I saw I can't remember who tagged him. He's like, "What battle did you win?" He's like, "He beat you in the fight, and then his yeah. posse done you like <laughs> in." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you." Sa-. So it was for the savages on the night, wasn't it? Yeah, especially like boxers and stuff. Just seemed to be like I saw like Terence Crawford saying like, "What are you all complaining about?" I thought you said Connor was about that life. <laughs> well, this is something I was going to get into. Malanaji, the like, I used to be quite a fan, but he's turned into like the most bitter person in the world. I genuinely believe now he was dropped in sparring. Yeah? I don't know why you would be this bitter otherwise still. Well, if, if you weren't, if someone lied and everyone believed you were, if I guess. You were, but... Yeah, but it's still going. Like you, No one is talking about it. Him talking about Connor constantly is the only thing that brings it back up. Yeah, like, no, no, that is true. Like, People would have forgotten about it. Like, by now, nobody cares whether he did or he didn't. No, No, that is completely true. And so today he came out and said um, he's the biggest fraud in combat sports history. <laughs> he proved that by tapping, which it's easy to say as a boxer when you've never been in a position where yeah. you've had to tap. I know he's fought on with him like a broken orbital. Yeah, uh, you can quit. So I, I don't think he's got that in him, but using quitting as using tapping as quitting is a bit different, I think. He's in a difficult position as well, isn't he? Because another pundit could have come out with stuff like that and you'd say, oh, well, he's gone a bit over the top, a bit outrageous, but maybe that's part of the job. But then because we, they've got that past, 
Paulie is always going to be seen. Well, he as tweeted a picture after of him laughing with McGregor, uh, with Malafa Mayweather. Mayweather, yeah. yeah. And he was yeah. like, oh, you're a little bitch. Oh, this is like, come on. He must just be chasing the payday of hoping just McGregor just he... comes over and was like, oh, I'll box you then. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't even rule that out, would you? No. At some point. Well, that's why I was going to answer. So what do we think is next for the two of them? So do we think there will be a punishment for Khabib and what do we think that'll be? I think they'll dish out a ban that's long enough that the UFC can strip him. I think the UFC strip him. And that'll be seen as, all oh, we've punished him. Vegas are particularly hard, aren't they? Yeah. And Khabib doesn't have that McGregor money to be able to exactly. get yeah. someone in. Exactly. But then, I know it was a long time ago, but they had a similar thing in Strike Force where they had a fight in their cage, and that was uh, Mayhem Miller and Nick Diaz. Yeah. And they were banned for three months each. Okay. And fined, I think, six grand. Yeah. But obviously, that was a long time ago, so mm. so I don't know. A lot less high profile than this. Yeah. I think he'll get a ban, but I, I, if they strip him, then I don't. It's not going to be McGregor getting a shot. It would be, I guess. The winner of Poirier Diaz against Tony. Against Tony, mm. or you just give Tony the belt back and say, "All right, you're the interim. You're now being upgraded to the full champ. You're the champ." <laughs> which they he won't must do. Be so but, confused. Yeah, <laughs> which they won't do because they can make they can get a pay per view headliner out of fighting for the belt. Mm, absolutely. But I don't know. Well, they'd probably call it, they'd do an interim belt, wouldn't they? They might not even strip him. They may just like put him on the sidelines and say, "Look." We'll, we take what we made. This is going to happen. Yeah. Go back. So I don't, I don't know, but what do you think's next for McGregor? What can he do next? I think he faces Diaz, whether he beats Poirier uh, or, or not. Really? He said on the MMA show last week, um, "We're definitely going to run that back." He said he gave me a rematch. I owe him a rematch. Yeah, I saw him say that. That's fair. It makes a lot of sense. You can't really take another like you're not going to face GSP after this. The Anderson Silva fight is ridiculous. That's just never going to happen. The Ferguson fight, he's not going to take. No, I mean, he actually, as much as I would love him to, because that'd be incredible. He actually well. that could it could happen because I mean he is still the biggest like draw there. So you never know. But I just don't know whether from his point of view. They may even Do have, you need that? <laughs> they may even have Max Holloway step up if he loses to Ortega or somewhat, something like that. Or if he beats Ortega and then steps up and then faces him. I'm surprised there hasn't been more talk of Holloway doing that anyway. Bearing in mind his issues the last time, we know it's a hard wake-up for him. Yeah, I think he will after the Ortega fight, win mm. or lose. Yeah. I think it's just he's, does not, he's not the most powerful, so I guess he's probably thinking there's some big boys are lightweight. There are, yeah. And featherweight is kind of... He said his whole thing was... He would never vacate the belt. He said he'd go on until he lost, basically, because he thinks that's what a champion should do. Interesting. So, uh, I don't know there, but... I, I said to you before, didn't I, I struggled to see what McGregor was going to do, win all these. Just... The DL's one, the problem is with that, is it? if he loses to Poirier, like a lot of us think he will, then you've got two people coming off a loss, fighting for a trilogy... What does it mean at that point? I think a McGregor other than fought, the fact that you settle the trilogy or whatever, and it's a grudge thing as well. I mean, I think McGregor's going to sell regardless. Yeah, yeah, it will. I just, but yeah, I get what you mm. mean. Ideally, or they may even, if despite them both coming off a loss, they may even do like a one sixty five pound division and have them both. Just no matter how much Dana's against it now, which I actually agree with. I don't think there should be that. 
division purely because I think, like you said, it is just going to weaken both 170 and 155. With everyone who can't win a belt there, he's going to go into that division. Yeah, no, that is true. But I, I wouldn't rule it out at all. I saw people at McGregor saying you should have 145, 155, 165 go up like that, which I don't know if yeah. that would help solve some issues. I don't you got know. 10 pounds between each one. It probably would, but I think you'd also create a lot of issues as well because I think no matter what happens, people are going to be too big in each weight class because oh, they're always yeah. going to kill themselves to get in. So to actually do it, you have to kind of do someone's walking weight and how much they can get down to. That's like the only way to... It becomes difficult to enforce, doesn't it? People are always going to find a way to manipulate yeah, it to time. gain advantages, but you can minimise all the risk, I guess, but then that way. Yeah, I guess we'll have to just follow this as it goes on. I'm sure more and more stuff will come out <laughs> yeah, as well, though, won't it? Definitely. What a strange, strange way to end. I, it was one of those you couldn't believe, wasn't it? As it was yeah. happening, you were just like... like even the, Things kind of played out in like slow motion almost as well, because they panned out from Khabib yeah. jumping in the crowd, and you thought, oh, he's just getting dragged off. And he saw a guy jump in. And then that guy in the red that jumped, yeah. ran up and like hit McGregor from behind. I was looking at it thinking, like, are you seeing this? Like, yeah. Are they seeing this guy jumping in? And obviously all the security were looking yeah, diverted. Yeah. You couldn't... Well, yeah, I thought they were going to cut it off, just like cut cut the tape. But from like Dana's point of view, I guess, if that's going to happen, you may as well get, get the clicks. May as well cash in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I thought it was the right move to not put a belt on him because, like you said, like that's not going to end well. Everything's just going to get launched in there. That's what there? he said. He was like, chairs are going to be flying in here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think he handled it pretty well actually. I think they've they kind of nailed it in terms of limiting how much damage could be done and yeah, people damage limitation afterwards as well. People shared into him saying like this is the most despicable thing I've seen, and they were like, and then the, another interview of him saying about Connor, like, this is what he does. He was just emotional, saying, "Oh, look at the difference here." And it was like, well, his first interview after the bus thing was he said again, "That's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen." He'll never fight in the UFC again. So it's not like it was just picking and choosing because it was McGregor there. I saw an interview afterwards where he said about the bus thing. They said, like, you seem very disappointed. And he's like, yeah, this, as disappointed as I've ever been. They're like, so is this worse than the bus thing? He's like, I don't really choose between which one's worse. Like, yeah, the two of them. People both seem to say, like, you couldn't think Khabib's thing was bad because McGregor had done it before. Like, it was impossible to disagree with both. Yeah, yeah. And, like, as much as you might think. Or McGregor kind of earned this, which maybe he did. Yeah. But doesn't mean watching it, you can't think Khabib fucked it for himself. No. In a strange sort of way, he has kind of added to himself in terms of. Yeah. He said, "Well, I beat you in there, and then I cleaned out your team afterwards yeah, as exactly. well." It's kind of the sort of the OG thing, but his dad put out a statement on Russian TV saying, um, "I'm going to sanction my son far worse than the UFC ever could." He ain't going home. Don't make him go home. <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Okay then, on to uh, part two of today's show. If we uh, get into the football, I know it's what some people tune in for. They uh, avoid the UFC with a lack of culture. (laughs) So um, first question I've got here, TK. Heading into the international break, who have you been most impressed with? We're talking teams, presumably. Uh. They kind of snuck up more and more in recent weeks. Bournemouth. Yep, they're know, top of my list. Behind the, uh, the table. If you'd asked earlier on in the season, most people probably would have said Watford. Similar reasons, both sort of punching above their weight. Both playing well as team. I thought, 
I don't think I was alone in thinking, amongst um, some of us on the pod, the start of the season, Bournemouth might struggle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but they seem to be on course for their best season yet. They just. Did you pick them to go down? I don't think I picked them to go down, but I thought they could have a, a few uh, a few problems. I was trying to think who I tipped to get down. I think I said Cardiff, Newcastle, and Southampton. Sounds about right. I do. I think you did say Newcastle. I definitely said Newcastle. I I said Southampton before they signed my boy Danny Ingsley. That's a game changer. All right. So originally for me, I did have Everton on my little list, and then I realised they're in eleventh. So I feel like I was kind of seeing their results, but only really taking into account the wins. So I'll write them off my list. Bournemouth were the topper. Outside of Bournemouth, I would probably say Chelsea, purely for the fact that mm, we expected them right. to have a dysfunctional summer. I mean, we've covered it over the last couple of weeks. We won't spend too long on here, but yeah, we they had a dysfunctional summer. Didn't get a new manager until late, and we thought that Hazard and certainty, yeah, Courtois was on his way out. We wondered what would happen, but obviously it's gone well so far. I think we need to see like a big injury to one of their main players and see how they handle that because I, of depth. If, I, if Hazard's out. <laughs> yeah. Because the depth is what they're really going to struggle with, I think. Yeah. The new keeper's settled in quite well considering the pressure of the price tag. Yeah. And coming in at Chelsea where they got a new manager. And it's been helped by the fact the team's in good form. Yeah. Like, if the team's playing well, if, if they're under the cosh, he's going for a lot more scrutiny, isn't he? Well, yeah. Like, like we know claimed he should have saved the Sturridge goal, so they're scrutiny <laughs> for you. <yeah. laughs> exactly. He has been... I have seen a couple of clips of commentary, but like, could he keep it better? I think pretty much every time I've seen him, he's yeah. made good saves. He's been solid enough. Uh, what about who have you been least impressed with? Difficult, because a lot of the teams down there, you'd have thought would have been. Uh, I guess even like someone like West Ham, people kind of unanimously seem to think they had a good summer. Then we thought, they were definitely the ones we tipped as underachievers. I, I know I did. Because cause conventional wisdom was that they had a good summer, but West Ham do have a tendency to kind of let you down. West Ham will be West Ham. Yeah, they're, they're strange because they have had good games in there. Like, the way they played United off the park, I was impressed by that. Well, drawing with Chelsea, maybe beating United and then losing to Brighton pretty much sums them up. That is very West Ham, isn't it? Um, For me, so I, Fulham have probably been one of them. I mean, yeah. I in particular thought that they would they would start the season strong. I, I think I backed them on the first day. I think people thought they'd be like Wolves, wouldn't they? We they'd kind of the saw, coattails of Wolves because yeah. of spending and stuff. We kind of saw like Seri coming in with that as a game changer. Mitrovic, mm. like being Mitrovic, he Good started well. Good to see well. Sessegnon in the Prem and all yeah. that. And then the issue isn't really scoring goals. I mean, with Schürrle coming in as well, I thought he'd be huge. But they just they're not they're not uh, they keeping defend. goals out of the other end. It's them, isn't it? That hasn't kept a clean sheet still all season. They can't defend to save their lives against Arsenal yesterday. They were abysmal, particularly on the flanks. They, I think, on the day decided they would just go with a three at the back, which without putting any system training in on it, worked horribly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I wrote in our group chat, didn't I? So I'm surprised more than yeah. being made of the fact that they've had a big spend and are just hovering above the relegation place. I think. Probably the owners probably do, but certainly I think people going into the season four, they might be around mid-table. Yeah. And I don't think they've really ever threatened it. And if I can explain, so Liverpool are another one on my list. And when I say when I say impressing, so I mean, obviously they're, they're getting the results, but I kind of tune in to see Liverpool to see them like, like they're not blowing teams out of the park like yeah. they have previously. So yeah. on the one hand, I could add them in my most impressive box because they're getting the results. But on the other hand, you just like to see 
they look less frail than they've done before. But that, yeah, but yeah, I think we are partly being caught up in the last two games as well, where they've looked yeah. very flat. The well, same game as a shock of a game, which should have been. Yeah. A, most people would have said if you put your life on one game, and entertaining, it'd be that. Yeah. And it wasn't. Well, that's kind and of the game was horrible. So. Well, that's kind of why it's kind of like how you interpret impressive there, because I would say they don't look impressive, but no. they they look like they've got a system. They look like everything's yeah. moving. So I, I think I could easily have them in both brackets. Purely, I think once Salah kind of flares up, which is is going to come, it's, it's, he's not going to literally have like a dire full season. Touch wood. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, if that front three gets firing, because the thing is, as much as he's taking the flak, none of the front three are really firing, are they? So once they start moving, you might see some more sort of impressive performances again, but... It seems a strange thing to say. We, it's almost like we need a game where we do roll someone to get a bit of confidence up. I think we might have Huddersfield next. Maybe they'll yeah. help us out after international break. Okay. Um, so next kind of question then. So Arsenal won five one yesterday. Kind of like what you've just said. We've been waiting to smash someone. Yeah. Fulham have been unfortunate. They they're ideally suited to you. I think like, as well. I mean, a team lower down who's going to try and play, but is ultimately well. They equalised right at half time and. I don't know if you saw Emery going down the touchline. He was on a mission. Like people really? at the ground said, he was like sprinting. Oh wow! Down the touchline. So I imagine That's he really ripped into a couple of people. Came straight out. Scary looking bloke. I don't think I'd want to yeah. piss him off. Um, I mean, it's it's easy to say now, but what we did yesterday, attacking wise, is what we should have done against Chelsea. We could easily have put like five past yep. Chelsea and just didn't. So it was literally going to be a game in which we were creating and managing to managing to put them past and. And uh, that that Fulham team was was caved open like Bettinelli, the one, um, the Lacazette's second goal. He's literally just been caught just where he's not expecting him to hit it that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, their everyone in their team, their heads seem to go down. Then they're all kind of looking at the keeper. The keeper's looking at them for giving the ball <laughs> away. And then once you hit that mark where they kind of know deep down they're not getting back into it, you don't chase the ball da- balls down as much. They like took a, the L, didn't they? And Aubameyang came on, trying to prove a point. Came on on 65 minutes, got two goals and an assist. Nice. So I put Lacazette in my fantasy team because Aubameyang wasn't scoring. Then he comes on and gets two goals and an assist. <laughs> they both look very sharp, didn't they? Especially Lacazette. I'm going on previous games as well for him. He looks razor sharp. Yeah, we've got we've got Leicester at home next. That's a bit of a... They've got. They've always. They've always just got a game in them, though. They do, least. yeah. And it's normally when you think Vardy likes it against us. As they've well. hit a run. The manager could be in a bit of trouble. They normally dig out a result, but they're they're one where if you can get in front, I think they do down tools. Yeah, that's not saying they don't have good team spirit, but I think the main thing with Leicester fans kind of calling out the manager a bit is is you, the players do have a bit of a get out there. Yeah. where they're losing is like, well, the manager can be blamed. Well, it's, it's nine on the bounce for Arsenal now. And I mean, you can criticise the opponents, but you still have to beat those opponents. And that's literally what you have to do. And two uh, two of those have been away from home. And they they were the games we weren't winning last season. What, we won two away games the whole of last season? Wow, that's incredible. So I think I mean, it might even have been one away game, away game last season because we hadn't picked up a point. It was after Christmas and we still didn't even have an away point. Yeah. No, looking more impressive as the games go on as well. And it shows it's sort of bedding into the play- the players are bedding in in the systems. Well, I'm getting used to it. Aren't I was they? speaking to Troy yesterday, and I'm I'm sure you'll be able to relate to this. So 
kind of come to terms with we're not going to be a team that keeps clean sheets. <laughs> but we do have a strike force that can score goals. So it's yeah. basically going to be we're going to score one more than you. So Torreira getting a lot of praise after the weekend as well. Yeah, I'll admit I did miss the first 20 minutes because I didn't wake up. So it was kind of like, <laughs> I was in that half sleep. So my alarm was going off, but I wasn't really noticing it was going off. <laughs> like it was there, but I wasn't like turning it off. And yeah. so my brother came in and was like, Lily, it's been going off for about an hour. Can you turn it off? Oh, of like, course. So then sat up, we we're 1-0 up already. And then they can see it and I thought, oh Christ, I'm the jinx here. I, I do think you don't choose your fixtures, but there is an element of we don't really know how much Arsenal are different until we get some more big games, only because your record against lower teams is actually normally fairly good. I well, know you bring up the away record. Well, but... it's the thing like last season it wasn't, so that's the thing. Like I'm, no. I'm more than I'm well, not happy, but if we beat everyone else and only lose to the big teams, then I can cope with that. Yeah, no, it's just Wenger's record say like particularly at home against the smaller teams, for example. Arsenal didn't tend to have too many problems with that. It tends to be the big game, they kind of crumble or whatever, which... Well, it's... But obviously last season was when it kind of reached its climax and started losing more games than they would have typically. Well, typically we don't... We're not great in November or December and then December we kick off at home to Spurs then away to United. You've got two away Europa ties in there. You've got away at Southampton. That's where, yeah, that's when the more the sterner test is going to come, isn't it? But if you if you go into those on the back of X amount of wins and some form, well, our depth is looking okay as well. So when you got Aubameyang on the bench, mm-hmm. you can put Ursa uh, uh, wasn't playing, Mkhitaryan was playing. I'm not that impressed with, but another game where Ursa doesn't play, squad. you play well as well. We claim back spasms again, which I'm sure you might have, but it does always seem to be on a horrible away day. Like it's never at home. <laughs> he, he was fine to fly to Azerbaijan in the week and play against a pub team. If the uh, the party your fans that are suggesting you're better off without him, yeah, games but... like that aren't helping his cause. No, there's also some fans though that claim we can't do it without Granite Shaka. So I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll have a little closer look as to who I listen to there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what do you think about Spurs? So from what I gather, they were unconvincing against Cardiff. Yeah. Um, Lloris, after having a howler against Barca in the week. Uh, almost gave away a goal and was saved by older Weirolds coming yep. out again. Yeah. Like I don't know if he's like he's been done for drink driving, so he's now thinking, well, I can't drive, so I'll just carry on boozing constantly <laughs> because he's looked like he's just been off it ever since like the start of the season. He's he's he was nominated for the Ballon d'Or today for Christ's sake. I don't know how that's happened. <laughs> Had a good World Cup, didn't he? Well, yeah, I know. World Cup winning keeper. Still, yeah, I've, he seems to kind of escape. Criticism to a large extent, well, from from most, and then there are there is a group that kind of overly criticise him, maybe. But in the most part, from Spurs fans particularly, he doesn't seem to get too much stick. No, I mean, for them, the the praise has always been that their starting eleven is good enough mm-hmm. to keep them going. But used to tune in and and they they'd be dicking somebody somebody smaller sides, and Kane would have about four goals. Eriksson would be having the time of his life. Son would be getting in on the score sheet. I don't know if it's um, the uncertainty with the new stadium, if it's um, a loss to Watford, and they 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 just look a bit more fragile than I've seen them previously. Like usually, they would be one of the safer teams if you were going to put a bet on someone at the weekend that you could kind of count on them always to get the job done for you. I think maybe the criticism of them this season is yeah you don't really know what you're going to get in some of these games. I think one of the things you've got to credit Poch with since he's been at Spurs is they are normally pretty consistent in terms of and even on a bad day. 
all right, they might lose, but they wouldn't be higher than whatever. And they they were competitive in the game, and it was a close game, and it was a bit of a one-off. Whereas now you're looking at it thinking, like the Watford game, and you think, I don't really know what Spurs are going to get at the minute. But I do think some of the players get a bit of a pass. Like the things with like the stadium being uncertain as well. As a player, it's really nothing to do with you, and it's no different to you. It's hardly a, tra- a hardship having to play at Wembley or whatever. No. <laughs> so that's not an issue. And I think I don't even think it's for the manager either. The biggest, their biggest issue is that lack of investment in the summer. I think even just a couple of new players, not for a huge. They have the money. best transfer window of anyone. Remember? <laughs> I just yeah, just freshen it up a little bit. I think it seems like if Kane's not scoring, then yeah, they're in trouble. Yeah, and I just think. It's been said about Kane, but I think the team generally looks a little... And I think the same thing can be said about Liverpool, particularly their attacking three. They look a bit lethargic. I don't know whether the fact that players are at the World Cup maybe haven't really had a proper summer off, or whether it's just the way... We're both of them. They both play with quite an intense style and yeah. a lot of pressing. So whether that catches up with the players, I don't know. But do at the same goes, time, we are only in October. Do you think it goes stale if you are literally just playing the same yeah. style just constantly? Because yeah. and you don't get new players in or whatever it's, you need fresh faces. Fergie always said it that he said he wouldn't necessarily buy. You're not buying players for the sake of it, but you're buying something so keeps people on their toes, and you've got a new face in there. Yeah. So I mean, I, I do think people can read a little bit too much into Spurs, though, in terms of they are are they fourth at the minute. No, they're fifth. Arsenal fourth. Fourth. Fifth. But it's very close up there, and as plenty of Spurs fans I've pointed out I've seen online is like Arsenal in the best one they've been in for years and we're in the worst and we're still only like two points different or whatever I mean, it is if you told me that we'd be after our first two games we'd be two points off the top going yeah. into the international break I would have bitten your hand off yeah it's a very good run and, but if this is Spurs' bad patch it's not bad they'll, no. they'll be there or thereabouts coming into well, the season if this is the, the worst thing that's going to happen to them what we were saying yesterday how funny it is that Spurs fans now laugh at Arsenal for being in the position they were and gloat for being the same thing as what they slated Arsenal for constantly. And Arsenal fans are laughing at Spurs for being happy at being what Arsenal were after they defended it and criticising it. <laughs> it's so strange, isn't it? It's like a Freaky Friday's happened to all the fans. The game's gone. The game's gone. I love saying that recently. I just I keep saying it at work, and they're like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so outside of Spurs, then, so um, Jose got a win at the at the <laughs> weekend. Um, they had a uh, pretty dismal display at home to Valencia in the Champions League. I think they were booed during the game. Yeah, and then uh, they've got a late three-two win over Newcastle after being two-nil down. I mean, I've seen some United fans who were ready to be Jose out and then a win against Newcastle has switched them back around. But <laughs> I would say in the position Jose was in, if he could have been given a team to play against, he probably would have picked Newcastle. Yeah, I'd agree. They are like a shoe-in for three points. A championship team. Well, the, the, they build it as this big Rafa versus Jose clash, whereas I don't even think Rafa was going into it. Looking I mean, like he was too It's Rafa versus Jose, but Rafa's got an arm tied behind his back or whatever. Yes. Well, he'd have, fe- he'd have, he'd have felt worse after from being two 0 up. He probably wouldn't have expected much before. No, once you go two 0 up, you've got to get out at least a draw, aren't you? And they should have scored more. They should have yeah. scored more when yeah, they exactly. were two 0 up. And then the second the first one went in, you're like, right, we've seen this story before. We've seen how this plays out. Our Spurs. 
he won a bit of cash on a sneaky bet. Well, I didn't win it because McGregor then let me down. So. <laughs> so. I got straight on United as soon as they got that first goal back. Oh, it was you that won. I thought you were saying about me. You <laughs> left me. How much did you put on them? Uh, I had £8.64 left in my account. So I stuck that on at 6-1. to one. See, I, I, And I nearly... Because until they got their third goal, they had a bit of time. And it was like 89th minute, it was 5-1, to one, I think. But I didn't. I was going to suck another tenner on. See, I don't trust. Pe- down. I don't trust people who just have a bit of money left in their in left in their betting account. I don't trust it. I feel like you put money in your account and then you put it on the bet, and then if the bet wins, you withdraw the cash. I always I'll withdraw a round number, and then leave X amount. So I think before that, I'd withdrawn forty. I had forty-eight quid. Like so it. I left forty-eight. So I left eight pounds sixty-four. These, these sneaky people, they're like, oh, just I've got a quid in the account, so I'll put that on there. Like, Why would you have a quid in there? Why do you have just a quid in your betting account? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Accumulate it back up. I guess so. I did used to do that sometimes. If I if I won, say, whatever, and had like seventeen pence, I'd put the seventeen pence on like four games and just try I and build think up. Just like leave a, a little bit in there, only because otherwise I'll just be inclined to start pouring money and like, oh, just a fiver here and there, and then it seems racks up. Doesn't yeah, it? I know how you feel. Um, so yeah, for them, I forgot how savage is Bradley Provodnikov like yeah. once. <laughs> so does it does it paper over any? Any well, essentially, yeah, it does paper over the cracks. Does is he going to be feeling any better? Like, has that changed anything for him? I don't think it changed anything, but it does. The players at two 0 down could have down tools, and if you want the manager out at that point, you stop trying. And he's probably would he have been sacked? Probably he might well have been. It would have been close. If I mean, not. people are saying, "Oh, this is the United we're used to the playing this." They didn't look. I mean, they looked like they played the ball faster, but I thought it was. Newcastle made the mistake of sinking back when you have the lead, when it's like the worst thing you can do, because you just invite them onto you. And also, it's not really a sustain- sustainable way of playing in terms of Matic and Pogba basically ascended up, ended up in the centre-back he positions. He literally did play them as centre-backs, yeah. Literally, yeah, playing the ball out from there, which is fine when you're doing that against Newcastle. You don't want to do it forever in, in most games. It was quite cool to see, actually. It reminded me a lot of five-a-side, where you put your best player at the back <laughs> and just to bring the ball forward and kind of control everything from there, but... I saw United fans, and they they're probably right to make a case of why why do we have to be two 0 down to play any sort of attacking football? Yeah, which which is completely true. And the players Arsenal. they've got, they can play like that from the start, and they would you know do give teams a hiding. But I mean, the, it's not Jose's way. I don't know why people are suddenly expecting him to suddenly be some sort of like the players Guardiola the, type. Yeah, manager. the players that scored as well, it did them a favour because like uh, Alexis needed that. Yeah, true. Martial probably needed that because, I mean, for him just to kind of be the hero, although he seems to have worked his way back in now, it obviously keeps that that going a bit there. Hmm. So that I'm sure that helped a lot. But I mean, they got Chelsea away next, so it that's could, a better test, isn't it? It could quite quickly crumble all the way down. Chelsea carry on playing like they are; they'll play around them. Yeah. Um. What else have we got here from Saturday? Ah, so uh, Tim Sherwood was on uh, on Soccer Saturday, a final score. Friend of the pod. Yeah. And he said that should Jose Mourinho get sacked, the perfect man to take over is Eddie Howe. And I'm not specifically going to say Eddie Howe, but do you think it's possible for a guy who has success at, let's say, a lower Premier League club, should you assume that they can just recreate that at a bigger team, because I think we've seen before it can go like one of two ways. I mean, mm-hmm. 
you can have Pochettino who's kind of carried that over at Spurs. I mean, he's yeah. not been successful to the point of winning trophies, we should have, but successful in terms of taking his style to a bigger team and having success with it. Yeah. But then you can also have Moyes at United and it can go horribly wrong there. So it, it's definitely a gamble, isn't it? I think we kind of, as soon as you touched on there, it's kind of the character of the manager, isn't it? As much as anything, it's whether they've got the character to embrace a bigger club. Uh, from Moyes, it, it just didn't seem like he did. It seemed out of his no. depth. <laughs> and the thing that's kind of held against Eddie Howe is his age. Whereas Moyes was a little bit older and had plenty of experience. He'd been in the Prem for years with Everton, a lower club. He'd been at, was it Preston before that, lower down the league? Something so, like that. So he'd done the sort of the hard rounds, if you like. Yeah. And he still wasn't ready. So it's more of a sort of strength of personality, I guess. Yeah. Now, I think how does seem sort of destined for a big job at some point. It's just a case of when. I could see him more. Is he always like going to be seen Everton, as like a young manager? West Ham, something Arsenal? like that. Well, he was linked with us, and I wouldn't have minded him in terms of some of the guys we were linked with. But I don't know. You'd I mean, take him over Emery at the time, wouldn't you? You weren't. I think it would have been quite cool. You right? weren't sold on the Emery idea at the time. He was all I wanted. <laughs> with uh, with how I think. And with uh, some of these managers in particular, it's you question how it would work in terms of like the transfers. But the way it's moving now, managers are more of a coach, aren't they? So you have people in charge of covering transfers, contract negotiations and that kind yeah. of thing. So it probably is going to go on to be who's the better manager and not who's better at running a club. Like Wenger was very good at running the club, but in terms of like coaching, it seemed he wasn't doing much to get the best out of his players, whereas that might be something that Eddie Howe is very good at. He looks like he's a good man manager. He looks like he sympathises with the players as much as he's able to get the best out of them. So, I would, yeah, I, I would think he can be a guy. I wouldn't say he's going to go and manage United. This is it. He's is, probably more does likely he need to be another like, job before then. Probably. So say if Bournemouth kind of carry on like they are, if he's to get them to mid-table for a few more seasons, I'd have been does happy he still he need another job? Manager at a time. He, you'd think he's probably more likely to get like an Arsenal or Liverpool than he is like a, one of the Manchester clubs. Yeah, maybe. Like they, I think, I think our clubs are more likely to give a chance to... Oh, people forget. Brendan, at the time, yeah. was like... Swansea, wasn't it? Yeah, it went from yeah. Swansea... They'd done a good job, and then whatever people's thoughts are on his time at Liverpool, we did come close to winning the yeah. league. It's close as we've come in a long time, so he wasn't an awful manager. No, we kind of rolled the dice with him, and it almost paid off very nearly almost paid off. Yeah, okay. So, uh, final question then, um, a bit of a mix up here just to uh close us out. If you were filling a uh 10 man big brother house. <laughs> with people past and present from the world of sport, who would you put in the house and why? <laughs> As we watch Pacquiao Hatton. <laughs> that won't last long. If I, was, if I start us I, off. Yeah. So I've got Ray Parler in there. Oh, he has some stories. I mean, you, need a, you need a character in there. You've always got some guy who seems to be liked by everyone. Yep. Football. I mean, when I was thinking earlier... They are predominantly footballers on my list, mainly because of the fact that you see their personalities a lot more, seeing them every single week. <laughs> but yeah, he he he's the first man I've got chucked in on my uh, into my house. Get Lingard in there for 
But you're not allowed. He's not allowed to have a phone or anything. It's, it's actual Big Brother rules, yeah, and yeah. just see how quickly he spontaneously combusts without being able to post a stupid Snapchat or Instagram video. Well, my next one is I've got Keen and Vieira, and they go in as one housemate, much like Jedward, <laughs> and the couple that went in married. Who there was the woman that cried all the time. Yeah, and we have those two, and we see how they're like because I feel like they could like come out of it as best pals. They'd be so sick of everyone else, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like Snooting everyone else. Yeah. Particularly with so many other people I've got on my list that I think they could be certainly wound up by that they, they'd they form quite a partnership between <laughs> them. I've got Tony Bellew in mind. Because <laughs> every day in there, he just tells, I just want to go to my wife and kids. But every day he gets told, you can't leave Tony, you're staying. He'd be ruling the roost. He'd be telling everyone, he'd be telling everyone what they want to do. <laughs> It'd be just, Every time he'd be up for eviction, he'd be like, I just want to go and see my wife and kids, and they'd be told, no, you're not going. All right, next man I've got is a bit of a wild card here. Mm. Antonio Margarito is the next man <laughs> going, into my, going into my house. Why? He doesn't speak any English. I just kind of, I just want to see his reactions, really, and I just want to throw a bit of an oddball in the house. <laughs> it could be maybe a bit of a task, like you've got to, you've got to partner someone up with him, but maybe you get Lingard in to be his like translator or something. <laughs> despite not speaking any or maybe he has to have his phone and he has to have the Google Translate app or something a little bit surprising I'm going to have OJ in mind <laughs> I didn't even think of him just check. so we could finally get to the bottom of <laughs> every day someone else in the house can just ask him come on just let us know I what feel, happened I feel like he'd end up charming the public like Katie Hopkins well, this was is in the other Big thing. Brother. I wanted him in there as a, a the ultimate PR campaign. Yeah, like can uh, he turn around the public perception? Like I mean, Perez Hilton was that bad that people came out liking Katie Hopkins. Yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? So like, he could legitimately like come out a hero again. There are going to be people chatting like the juice <laughs> out, outside outside of it. There's going to be like. They're gonna have to drop him off in like a Bronco or something. Really like jazz it up. <laughs> the best thing of it is as well, all these people are gonna to have to go some to really be like a shit house because that Roxanne Palace just set like a yeah. new bar. To be a complete cunt on there, you have to do something really, really <laughs> awful. Like like kill a woman in the house. Hypothetically, he would have to kill he only did it hypothetically, remember. We could get Pistorius in there with him, thinking about it. I this. was about to say he's in my one, but it was more of a this is like an actual punishment rather than prison. So in my big brother house, there's no disabled access. But also, there's like massive magnets on the wall. So he's either he either has to go around without any legs, or he puts the legs on, but he automatically sticks to the wall. He can't go anywhere. Jesus, you put a lot of thought into that. That was the first one that popped in my head, strangely. I didn't want to go straight in with it in case it was too dark. All right, I've got Johnny Manziel <laughs> on there. We've got a wild card in. And uh, I want to know if he really is as nutty as he's meant to be or if he is just completely calmed down. <laughs> like You have some people go like the situation going in there and he's just the most calmest bloke in the world. Like he's had his, he's had his time. Too settled. Yeah. And so people are going to be like disappointed by how unoutrageous he is or he'll be the opposite <laughs> and he could just be riling Keen and Vieira. <laughs> oh my God, they'd fucking hate yeah. him. <laughs> or OJ. Because they always pump a load of booze in when it's celebrity <laughs> Big Brother, so yeah. that could go horribly wrong. And with the celebrities, they might go a list and sneak in a bit of Charlie in the lounge <laughs> or whatever. I've got um, an elevator up to my Big Brother, 
And I've got Ray Rice in there, man. That's your first. That's your first task. If, if you can like get a, in, the, if you can get in the Big Brother house, this is more like a battle royale <laughs> than it is a Big Brother house. <laughs> Khabib's the one that comes in halfway through the uh, halfway through the series. Well, my next one is going in is Jim Watt. <laughs> I just want. I just want him just to be over exaggerating and everything. His annoying voice would be coming on everyone. I, I want to hear his cliches. Like I want to hear him tell me that like OJ is a family man. <laughs> Ray Rice throws punches <laughs> and punches. <laughs> On the same note, get Adam Smith in from Sky because <laughs> anyone in that age you can just slate them like, but just on like a sort of like an indirect sort of slating, <laughs> people wouldn't know how to take it. Well, I've also got Jose in mind. And if you remember when Nikki Graham was on the original Big Brother, oh, and she word. slowly cracked as it went through. <laughs> and Jose, if we could just see him just crack gradually, like the public keep him in because they see him being tortured in there. And you just gradually see him, his hair starts falling out. He starts just snapping at everyone. I've now got an image of Jose doing that Nikki Graham. Like, Who is she? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, imagine Keenan now with him. Was, yeah, exactly. If he's going to the diary, he's like, I don't know what the fuck he's complaining about again. <laughs> Sick of him. What if you have to listen to this nonsense? Who else are you chucking in? I was, uh, I was thinking that maybe you just get Carl Frotch and David Hay in as a oh, pair. Jesus. <laughs> just because either of them can just talk about the other one for as long as possible. They never actually have a conversation with anyone in the house. They're just constantly talking about themselves. <laughs> Well, I've I've got um, Kevin Durant going in mine, and he, he gradually, uh, when they do the evictions each time, and they start yelling who they want to win, he just aligns himself with that person each week <laughs> in a bid to stay in and remain popular. He just really starts switching around, and then it, as it gets near the end, you get the classic calls of game player, which are going to start coming his way. <laughs> Oh, he's a game player. He is, you know, and that's like the most offensive thing you can say. Like, Me. Get, what makes you think I'm going to get I'm real I'm genuine when they're in a game show to win yeah. £250,000 they're all like I'm not playing a game I'm just being me what are you talking about oh wow yeah <laughs> look up and see Hatton slept all of, I mean John Jones could go in there for the same reason as Johnny Manziel essentially we're punishing all these people apart from Ray Parler who I feel <laughs> actually do want to go in and have a good time I want him winning it <laughs> I feel like he would. Of the list so far, I feel like he would win. Hopefully, actually, by the list so far. It's him or OJ. I think OJ, OJ, OJ could charm him past. OJ and Parler would be boys as well. They not really the would. with them two. Parler would be reminiscing about the 90s. OJ, maybe not so much. <laughs> they get the letters from home and uh, Ray Parler gets a bottle of Cobra. And he's like, Cheers, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Kingfisher. Don't worry about the Cobra. He's moving on to the hard stuff. And finally, uh, you can have John Jones in there. Imagine, John, who was discussing nominations? Wow, do you want <laughs> names? <laughs> finally, I've got uh, I've got Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> I've just tried putting as many odd personalities in one place. He'd be as such possible. a nightmare in there as well. He doesn't really make a lot of sense when you think about it with Floyd. Well, Floyd, if you just um, if you read out this task for us, wow. 
What do you What do you think? <laughs> what do you think of Ray Rice? He's a hell of a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty comes in is like that little guest guest for Floyd. I've got Gennady Golovkin going in mine. Just so Jesus, <laughs> he'd just be so confused by it all. Gennady, what do you think on his? Max, this is boxing. <laughs> Gennady, there isn't a Max in here. I mean, I think we've got, I think we've got a good, solid bunch of housemates here. I think we have as good, as close to a guaranteed murder in a house as you can possibly have. Well, we do have two murderers in the house. Alleged. Well, for Oscar, it's actually not alleged. He was literally convicted of the murder. He was. <laughs> Some people maintain he was innocent. I'm not sure. I was going to say they haven't got a leg to stand on, but maybe that's a poor <laughs> choice of words. Get Della Hoyer in there. If he comes out, they're like, What's this? when was this woman in there? <laughs> I'm sure I saw Oscar go in there. Look, De- they had a drag queen in there on the yeah. last one. Yeah, we could probably talk about Della Hoyer, actually. Slating McGregor as soon as the fight ended and then tweeting... Well, my account was hacked. That it, is just the it most... It wasn't me. Why is he even bothered saying that? Who's going to hack him and say that? Of all the things you can do with that account. Someone uh, so said, this is a case of you, thank God it wasn't his Apple iCloud that was hacked. <laughs> yeah, all the damage you can do is Oscar De La Hoya and you tweet that. Come on, think about it. Him slagging Connor's team. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting perspective on it. Well, anyway, that probably brings us to a natural conclusion. We've left people with a nice image to be thinking about. A natural conclusion. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As always, you can find us uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, anywhere else you want to listen. And if you can leave us a review, a repost, uh, all that business, we'll be back next week. Thank you.